was 2019, and that's when it all changed. Zuma finished his last term as president and moved to Dubai shortly after. We got a new president, Julius Malema, who was our youngest leadership yet, both as a person and as a party, in what was a surprising upset victory for the nation. They called it many things. The millennial takeover, the working class takeover, the neo-renaissance, neo-capitalism, and even the start of the war. The new leader almost immediately lived up to his brand and started to advocate for more effective unions and a universal minimum wage. He worked on nationalizing the mines and proceeded to explore how to decrease the profit margins between management and workers. There was no sign of violence, not even in the whispers. But just like in 1994, there remained a nervous anticipation of it. The second round of white flight occurred, and just like the Donald Trump presidency stint a few years before, the nation couldn't believe just how much change could happen in so little time. For the low economic class, it was the first time that economic progress felt palpable, so much so that they let themselves feel it, without the fear of perpetual disappointment. A lot was broken, though. Centuries and centuries of different forms of corruption threatened any and all chances of a stable, just economy. Money systems were tied down to untraceable networks, companies, industries, and people. And up until then, the law seemed helpless to those establishments. But it didn't see our leader coming. An unassuming, seemingly too young, and seemingly too stupid man who made a habit of proving people wrong. He started to roll out his tenure plan. He warned us how things might need to get worse, or rather uncomfortable, before they got better. He made us swear to re-elect him, even if just to have him see his full vision through. We saw. We were left with little choice. He started with the property and land laws and revised them to allow shared ownership of properties that have been in the families of those who were historically disenfranchised and not allowed by law to buy property or land. This gave them the opportunity to own or sell their share of it, giving them a good start at investing in other property or land. He prioritized the giving back of land and property to all those with certified title deeds who were unable, under apartheid laws, to legally own their own land. He phased all handovers over two years and added a skills transfer support structure. An agreement was drawn up for those who owned property but underwent forced removals during the Group Areas Act to either receive monetary compensation worth the value of the property today to be paid out over 20 years or to have shared ownership with the current residents. In a further radical turn of events, he made all education free. He took away all support staff roles in primary and high schools, such as cleaners, lunch servers, lawn mowers, and field maintenance staff, and he incorporated those tasks into the school curriculum, in what we know as life orientation. The children learned how to be responsible and capable, while the lack of those job titles reduced the running costs of all schools significantly. Those that often occupied those jobs due to a lack of access to higher education were now able to study for free. 
He turned all school libraries into public libraries after school and built libraries in schools that had none. This reduced how many public libraries needed to get built. The universities were put under the same service-based system where students were required to work at the university either as a tutor or as service staff or to work in old age homes, hospitals and even homes as housekeepers. University sports fields became public sports fields and maintenance staff was kept for this. He then reorganized all the borders of zone districts so that municipalities would be better shared between richer and poorer areas. He moved primary infrastructure into townships, which slowly encouraged the wealthy to invest in the upkeep of good roads and other supporting structures around it. He turned abandoned city buildings into regulated urban parks, vertical farms, and apartment blocks. The parks and farms belonged to the government, but the apartment blocks could be bought at 50% of the value if the owners underwent the training on how to farm and upkeep the vertical farms. Those living in the apartments would then work on the farms in rotation and be compensated by getting stock at highly reduced prices. He made street vending legal and reduced the cost of the stock from the vertical farms, encouraging the vendors to buy from there. He opened drug parks to those currently addicted to illegal substances so that they could access clean and more pure versions of the drugs. The drug parks were run by rehab experts and the users could ask for rehabilitation when ready. He made all drugs legal and decreased their prices. This killed off the drug black markets and in time significantly reduced the abuse of drugs by staggering 90% over 20 years. He changed the money lending system completely. Through the banking system, he designed it to award women twice more than men for a 20-year period. He had some of his best texts design an Uber for loaning money as the go-to place for most people outside of the banks. On the app, investors loaned their money, either as an investment or as a loan. When the request was placed for money, it had you fill in your circumstances and test your level of financial literacy. When the money was rewarded, it was done along with some step-by-step recommendations on ways to achieve your financial goal and repayment plan. It swapped out the credit score rating system for the app rating system, along with an educational and mentorship support component. He revised the BEE system to end in 2030. He recalculated the point system and he did not reveal it. That way, no one was able to know what profiles get rewarded which points in the hopes that people would start to hire based on merit and a potential point whose value they don't know. As a fundamental right, he made all internet access free and made all courses from primary school to university accessible for free online. He had only managed to do about 40% of what he had hoped to achieve in his 10 years of ruling. So, in an unprecedented move by the nation, the matter of extending his mandate beyond two terms was taken to the Constitutional Court. The demand was approved and his leadership was allowed to continue. It took him 25 years to put everything in place, with some of his changes already reaping its rewards. Once done, he asked to rule for only 10 more years in order to ensure that all was in place and then asked to be removed from power so that it wouldn't corrupt him. We watched as ownership of land became more democratic and farming skills and the export industry increased exponentially. We saw an almost drug-free society and townships became economic hubs. 
92% of the population was educated with professional degrees or artisanal skill certificates, and crime decreased to almost nothing. Most industries worked through apps, so very few people could get employed simply by word of mouth. This reduced how much cheap and exploitative labor got hired. Domestic work became a temporary job, one that students did while at university and at a reduced cost to the homeowners. No one was allowed to do it for more than five years. And thanks to a forward-thinking company that was established in 2015 called MADE, and that's M-A-D-E, not M-A-I-D, former domestic workers were able to monetize their specialized skills way before the industry changed. They became the leading teachers of South African languages and cultures, They established a department that specialized in brand testing and innovation in almost every cleaning brand's headquarters. They became the leading negotiators, translators, communication representatives, and data collectors for the government. They became transformation consultants in architecture and urban design firms, mapping out urban and spatial conditions with such accuracy because of how much they maneuvered through different parts of cities so intimately. They led the fashion world in ways that have allowed it to map and track human evolution. In fact, I'm not sure what they hadn't managed to do. They opened up so many new economic markets for people. When Malema reduced drug abuse and stabilized impoverished homes and increased access to loans, education and mentorship support, he dramatically increased their chances of succeeding. And so we find ourselves here in 2074, 65 years after the reign of a fresh young chancer who wasn't quite chancing at all. South Africa's tied for third strongest economy with Tanzania after China and Norway. The economic freedom fighters stayed in power long after Malema stepped down. He did so just after banning the erection of any statues of human figures. He burned all of the existing statues back into usable recycled metals. With an audacity like that, he left us with a stable but unwritten future for us to design, leaving us all with profound stories to write. I'm off to write mine. I'm Tuliza Cindy, and this has been The Future Report. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.